0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another Overcast Day here in the Capitol. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Robert Garamani, founder and chief executive of mind over matter fitness a company dedicated to helping people achieve their desired level of fitness despite their level of ability or disability robert hello hi there thank you for coming on the program today now normally we would go straight over to to the uh, subject of leadership uh, but considering the ongoing covid outbreak uh, i'd be remiss if i didn't ask you uh, you're in a business that usually is in quite close contact with uh, your clients, Uh, I'd imagine that this has been a very difficult time. How has the COVID outbreak affected you?
1: Uh, It's affected uh, myself and my clients uh, quite dramatically, as it has, I guess, the entire nation. Um, In terms of the business perspective, um, I've been shielding myself for 14 weeks now. Mm -hmm. Um, Due to my disability, I'm high risk. um, And with a lot of my clients having disabilities too, they also fall under the high risk category. Um, So we've had to get pretty creative when it comes to helping them continue training without the access to gyms. Um, But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely affected us for the worst over the last 14 weeks.
0: Now, of course, uh, when people are eventually able to return uh, to the gym, it will be a very different uh, gymnasium experience than they had uh, before. Uh, What sort of measures do you see coming into place to protect both yourselves and your clients within that environment?
1: So over at the gym where we work out at Pure Gym here in Nottingham, um, I know that they're looking at potentially putting plexi screens uh, between equipment um changing the layout of the gym has been uh crucial in the, the the talks as well prior to opening where we're looking to make sure that social distancing is adhered to um, by making sure that each machine is around two meters apart from one another um and then obviously we've got things like uh, wipes antibacterial wipes uh and and other equipment to be able to wipe down the equipment as regularly as possible for the members um so yeah so i think we're putting in as many measures as possible to make sure that the environment is as safe as possible for everybody
0: Now, of course, you are in a very specialized sector of the fitness industry. If you wouldn't mind enlightening uh, our listeners with a bit of a background.
1: Yeah. So um, myself, I was involved in a car accident at the age of 10 months old, which left me paralyzed my armpits down. So I've got no conscious muscle control below my armpits. Um, Despite that, my my life, I guess, has taken me to to getting involved in physical activity uh, every step of the way. Um and my biggest desire has been to try and help people in similar situations to myself. Um so after graduating from university, um I went into the, the fitness industry, um, earned my personal training qualifications and that's where my life's essentially taken me. So for me, it's the personal training stuff that I do with people with disabilities and long-term health conditions and I also do um sport coaching for basketball and tennis for those that have disabilities too. Um and I guess one of the biggest challenges when it comes to to physical activity and disability is empowering people to realise that despite their disability, there is still a lot that they can do physically when uh, the light is often shone on them, not what they're not able to do rather than what they are able
2: to do.
0: Well, the the gym environment can be a very daunting place for those who are physically able, uh, let alone those with disabilities. Uh, I'd imagine there's a bit of a psychological element in encouraging people into uh, into gyms. How do you uh, surpass this?
1: Um, I think it's, it's that whole idea of empowerment is the biggest thing. Um, it's like you said, whether you've got a disability or not, the gym can be quite an intimidating place. And, and when you have a disability, one, uh, one of the most important things is actually getting into the gym in the first place. As that, that journey before you even get into the gym is often quite harder than when you are actually in the gym, whether that be access into the gym or how you get to the gym via transport, have you got the transport to be able to get down there. Um, And also realizing that if you are going to a gym, are you able to make the full use out of the facilities that are there? Because obviously you have a physical disability. um, You might not be able to use all of the machines. I mean, you know, if you can't use your legs like myself, then that's already half the equipment out of the question anyway. So it's like, how do you adapt your environment to be able to progress your own goals?
0: Of course. Now, um, when it comes to uh, working out at home during this quarantine period i know that quite a lot of people's waistlines are expanding uh, because <laughs> it's less of a distance to one's uh, refrigerator uh what little suggestions could you have uh, for people at this time when they're living more sedentary lives
1: i um, so i guess the first thing is making sure that you you stick to your routine of you know making sure that you're getting up you are getting dressed and You know, doing those little bits and bobs, stay active throughout the day. Um, Try to stay active for at least an hour a day if you can um, using household items. So um, I did actually do a a mini video series where I showed, um, you know, how you can make use of a broom or, you know, a mop handle or something like that. And then, you know, tins of beans and all those kind of things to to create your own weights at home and and, and motions that you can do if you have limited uh, mobility um, to keep active.
0: (laughs) Well, it is a very interesting time for everyone, and uh, hopefully we'll all be able to fit into our non-elasticated trousers when this is over. Um, <laughs> each week on the podcast, we have a topical in-focus question. This week, it relates to the recent forced removal of the Edward Colson statue in Bristol. Uh, now, the question of the week is, is it ever appropriate to remove a historical statue?
1: Um, I think it depends what the motives are to Doing that, so obviously with the ed- Edward Colston statue being removed, obviously it, it, it goes so much deeper in terms of you know what he stood for and what he actually did. Um, and there's obviously going to be arguments on both sides in terms of you know his slave trading and what he did. And should you have a monument to somebody um, who who did all those kind of you know I guess bad when it comes to the slave slave trading area, um, but then obviously he did do a lot of good at the same time. Um, so I can see the arguments from both sides. Um, so but at the same time i think you have to own the history that the country had whether you, you can't just teach the good bits you have to teach the bad bits about mm. that person as well so if the statue is there then you have to you know hold your hands up and shine a light and educate people on you know not just the good things he did but the bad as well
0: was it appropriate the way in which the statue was removed
1: uh that's a big question um probably not like in terms of like vandalism and and, and taking it into your own hands. Like, I mean, I I wouldn't condone those kind of behaviors, but then at the same time you you see that there's been petitions for that to be taken down, I guess, lawfully for, for many, many years. Um, and I guess if you know, the councils don't listen and they they don't do what the people of the community want to happen, then the community eventually rises up and does in this instance, um, what they wanted to happen in the first place.
0: So there should be more of a organized, uh, debate, or vote amongst the entirety of the people first, uh, would you say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it is a very interesting subject matter, and I'm afraid something that we're not going to settle in the next three to five minutes. Uh, So we should move on to the subject of leadership. Uh, I always like to start this part of the conversation off by asking the same simple question. What does the word leader mean to you? Uh,
1: To me, a leader is someone who works with um, his circle around him as closely as possible to help the progression of everybody, not just themselves. Um, for me, a leader is someone that's you know on the front line with people, um, you know, leading by example, not just giving orders and and you know telling people what to do. Is being out there and, and supporting one another as best as possible.
0: And how would you describe your personal leadership style?
1: Um, for me, it, it's I think empathy is my my biggest. Um, character trait is something that you know I've been blessed with um, in the sense where you know I I try to understand everybody's perspective um, and everybody's viewpoint um, before making any decisions and so for me my leadership style is is trying to understand first and foremost where you know people's um, feelings are coming from and 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 why they're acting in the way that they are acting um, before then helping them deal with the situation I think for me Um, you know having my disability from such a young age you you learn to be patient you see the world in a different view where you know just going to the shops there's going to be obstacles in the way you know the simplest task getting dressed in the morning there's going to be obstacles in the way and you have to adapt as best as possible Um, so for me rather than you know shining a light on on problems I'd much rather come to people with solutions Mm -hmm. and helping them see you know how they can overcome whatever it is that they're going through um, and helping them understand that you know there are bad things out there and there's going to be problems that you encounter, but there's always ways to overcome them.
0: Did you have any role models who shaped your, uh, your view of the world whilst you were growing up?
1: Uh, I didn't actually. I remember when I was doing my GCSE English language paper, the question was, can you write about your role model? Uh, And I remember sitting there not really having one. And to this day, I've not really had, I guess, a role model. Um, I think for me, it's always been, you know, this is the, the life that you, You're living this is the hand that you're dealt. You're just going to have to make the best out of it as you can.
0: Perseverance, as it were.
1: Absolutely. What do you
0: believe uh, that we should be teaching young people? If we had the opportunity to take a young person aside and teach them one trait about leadership, what should that one trait be? I think
1: it would be, I mean, I've already mentioned empathy. I think empathy is is very important. Um, And empathy can't be be. Mm Mm-hmm reacts in situations um so for example i often get questions about my disability in terms of you know people but well, i say i often get questions i often get assumptions about my disability people will see the disability and they'll assume that you know i can't do this i can't do that for example when i tell people that i'm a personal trainer and i work in the physical activity sector they're often like oh really but how do you do that and part of that is because they've never really seen or been taught that you know people with disabilities can still be hugely physically active active and, and, you know, achieve great things. Um, and I think when it comes to teaching young people about any traits, it's helping them understand, like, what people are going through and putting themselves in other people's situations. And I think that's the only real way that true progress can be made on a bigger society basis, empathy and understanding.
0: Well, it is uh, a very difficult subject to teach. Uh, what's also difficult for us is that we have run out of time. Uh, but before no I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for Mind Over Matter? Uh,
1: so hopefully for myself, it will be looking at um, growing the, the client base, not just here in Nottingham, but trying to take it as national as possible. Um, one thing the pandemic has shown is that, you know, you can still get people active remotely. Um, so I'll be looking at doing much more online coaching to to spread my net, I guess, um, as much as possible to help, has, to help as many people as possible. Um, I've done a lot of great work here in Nottingham. I'd like to extend that across the nation, really.
0: Well, Robert, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the program today. And I do hope that you can come back on uh, when you have uh, got things back to normal and uh, you have started your expansion. Robert, thank you. I would love
1: to do that. Thank you.
0: That was Robert Garmony, founder and chief executive of Mind Over Matter Fitness. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is my exclusive interview with our chairman, Lord Blunkett. Lord Blunkett, welcome.